This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. All right, boys and girls, welcome into another edition. It's the opening kickoff here on a Tuesday edition. Uh, we're with you for the next three hours right here on the Sports Station, so you guys can uh, chime in, 694-1055. Get us in the app, WNSP.com. Got another great list of uh, guests and another list of great stories to tackle. You know, Mark, up till yesterday with my limited baseball knowledge, the only <laughs> Kevin Brown that I knew was a pitcher back yeah. with the Dodgers. Oh, I knew that too. Yeah, San Diego. The only Kevin Brown I knew. All of a sudden, yesterday comes this story from awful announcing that the Kevin Brown of the Baltimore Orioles has been indefinitely suspended for comments he made back on July 23rd. Now, nobody's been able to get any kind of statement from the Orioles they they deny this but they're not they're not adding to that they're not saying if in fact Kevin Brown but here's the deal because there's a lot of support for Kevin Brown he's the TV play-by-play announcer for the Red Hot Baltimore Orioles what he did basically was just make a comparison and we hope we'll have the audio at 620 when we come back after the scoreboard where he basically said that the Orioles this year had won as many games at Tampa's Tropicana Field as they had in the previous three years. His point was he was he was making a statement and a compliment about the Orioles this year, who were in first place now in the American League East, to the surprise of many. The fact that they had struggled for like three years at Tropicana Field and that the Rays had pretty well dominated, but he's showing that this year one of the reasons the Orioles are in first place is because they've had success against the Rays to me, is about as harmless a statement as you can make, and it's a compliment to the team giving, let's say, a comparison. And not only that, I didn't see, the, you know, in real time, of course, because I don't get the Orioles games, but apparently there was graphics to also augment that, that to support what he was saying. So somebody else had to be involved in this, and we don't know if a producer came along and said, hey, let's put up a graphic. You talk about the Orioles' success this year at Tropicana as opposed to previous years. And and so unless there's something here we don't know about, Mark, because the Orioles aren't talking about it, they suspend them. Well, I think it also brings up a bigger issue, too. Are, t- are, are folks that, are, that work with franchises, programs, and I'm talking about pro and college, whether it's broadcasting, writing for, are they obligated to, to spin in a way that is always in a positive for that team or franchise. It would appear to be the case in, in, in here with the Orioles. Um, although, to your point, his point was that despite the lack of success here, they have kind of turned this thing around. But, man, if you wanted to do something to kind of... Uh, punish this guy or rectify whatever you perceive as a problem it's had the reverse effect now because now all you're doing is bringing a lot of attention to a guy that was just doing his job because to me if you're calling a game or if you're writing about a game that that that's got to be balanced like you got to show 
I don't want to say necessarily some objectivity because I understand that your your employer wants you to spin everything a certain way. But I, th I think he, he gave good context. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't in a way that he was trying to go out and get the team. I, I thought it was pretty well done and very well researched. The guy knew what he was talking about. I think I think the Orioles have egg on their face this morning. Oh, absolutely. And it's not just one person. Like you say, research. That's usually done by somebody else. The graphics. Who's 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 in charge of putting the graphics on to support what Kevin Brown was saying. Look, years ago when I started following baseball, to my knowledge, the play-by-play -play announcers were hired by the sponsor. Let's say a beer company or then – and in many cases, and, and we'll probably get Dan Jennings on tomorrow to, to, to really explain behind the scenes on this. How are announcers, who are they, hire, well, who hires them, and who do they have to answer to? I think that's a, a key question here because, look, I listen to a lot of Atlanta Braves broadcasts. I listen to others, too. Now, and an ESPN broadcaster, a Fox, they're supposed to be neutral, so they're not they're hired by the networks, but for like the Braves, there are many times they'll make a statement uh, that's very positive about Atlanta, but you can construe it the other way. And an occasion, you know, they'll point out, well, somebody's 0 for 30 or something like that. Or uh, the, the new announcer, um, Brandon, uh, over the weekend was talking about the blunders that the Braves base runners made. They had about two or three blunders, and he uses that word all the time. Uh, does that does that evoke uh, a possible suspension because he was criticizing in a sense that the Braves base running was not so good? No. I mean, he's just telling you what you already saw. I mean, it's not anything new. So I, I truly support Kevin Brown as somebody who, you know, called baseball, but not on the major league level. Now, later on in the show, Tim Haggerty, who used to call the uh, games for the Bay Bears, he's now doing AAA. He's come out with a book. I never expected that we'd be talking to him about Kevin Brown, but maybe we'll get his take on that as well as the book that he's writing. All right, so let me ask you this. In all the years that you called games, were you ever called into management, ever corrected or reprimanded for something that was said on the air? One time. One time. We were, uh, I, was doing the, um, I was doing the game between South Alabama. It was a conference tournament game, and... I think we were playing Jacksonville, and we got beat pretty bad. And it was an inning there. And Coach Kittrell, after the game, it's the only time I can ever remember him coming up to me. And he said to me, he, he said, that apparently, you know, parents were listening, and they claimed that I used the term that this was embarrassing. I did not say that. And I told Steve, I did not say that. I masquerade around that. I could jump around, things like that. I mean, every game I call wasn't, you know, a jag win or a great moment, but this this was a, you know, a, a tournament loss. I will tell you one of the funniest, <laughs> one of the funniest, though, I, I was calling a basketball game at Myrtle Beach. The Jags were playing Coastal Carolina, and we had a miserable start, Mark. I think we had like seven consecutive turnovers to start the game. Ronnie Arrow was the coach. We got beat. No way we should have lost to that team. After the game, when you were allowed to do this, he practiced the team for 90 minutes after the game. That shows you how upset he was. Yeah. We get on the bus. I'm sitting behind Ronnie, as I normally did. He turns to me, and he says, and, and I wasn't sure how to answer him. He said, 
how did you call that game? I, I thought maybe that word had gotten to him or something like that, that I said something demeaning or not. And it wasn't that at all. He was saying, how did you, how did you, how did we call a game like that when we were so bad? You know what I'm saying? Sure. He didn't hear anything. He was just saying, how in the world could you get through that, you know, with all the turnovers we made? So, but the only time was that time, uh, Steve Kitchell in all the games, and there were thousands, I guess, I don't remember, but that was the only time he ever came to me the next day and said, a parent said, but I did not say that word. I did not say, that the uh, this was embarrassing. Well, this is this has kind of happened on in different mediums throughout time, right? So I I, I truly believe when twenty four seven sports and rivals and on three probably not on three because it came around a little bit later. But when those when those when those websites first came out, those writers were were a little bit more of uh, promotion more so than. Let me be an objective writer to go out and cover this team for you. They wanted to give their subscribers what their subscribers wanted, right? Which is they wanted a website or a place that they could go with with uh, chat rooms and and all that kind of stuff. When it first came out, that they could they with they could hang out and converse with like-minded people. And so I knew some people that tried to be up, and I'm using air quotes here for those that don't have radio vision. Uh, objective stuff and they they tried to balance our coverage and it was met with some negative feedback and so what happened there for a while was they were very rah rah cheer cheer because they were trying to write for those that were subscribing to their site i think they've overcome that i do think for the most part those sites have evolved but it's generally the same thing if you're covering a team especially if you're employed by that team i'm curious how many of those guys feel compelled to maybe be a little bit more positive than they'd like to be um, because of that. And I think that's what happened here. Uh, but the Orioles, man, they have egg all over their face. Oh, they really do. And, you know, and, and, and they, you're taking away from a great story, Really, because the Orioles are having an unbelievable season. Obviously, one of the great stories in baseball this year for a team that's really been mired in last place and fighting its way through the Red Sox, Yankees, Toronto, and teams like that. And now they're in first place and, and with a bunch of youngsters, too. I mean, it's basically a team of no-name youngsters who are really, really doing well. They're going to make the postseason. They've overcome the Rays, who had the fantastic start. And all Kevin Brown did was compliment the team on how well they're playing down at Tropicana Field. And if I may add, I, I, I hope this doesn't get me in trouble with Tampa. It's one of the worst stadiums I've ever seen in baseball. Mm. One of the worst I've ever been to. I, one of the reasons, for those who don't know much about the Tampa area, because I had this discussion about a week ago, one of the reasons they don't draw well for a team that pays little money but does very well on the field the stadium is located in St. Petersburg, and for whatever reasons, those baseball fans in Tampa don't cross over to St. Petersburg and really support a very, very good team. But I'm so happy for the Orioles, not happy that they made the decision. I'm with you. It's a black eye on the organization. I don't know how the Orioles get around this because we don't know who made the decision. And then it would have been better behoove the Orioles, whoever did make the decision, to send out a press release to say, look— we remove Kevin Brown because. All right, so we got a lot going on today. We're going to be joined by Rush Probes coming up in about 15 minutes here. Uh, Travis Ryer on Alabama at 7 o'clock. Brian Matthews on Auburn at 7.30. You mentioned Tim Haggerty. He'll join us at 8. Jay Crane at 8.30. Uh, and, of course, you'll have some 
opportunity to win some Chick-fil-A here uh, throughout the course of our morning. So we are off and running. We start things off with the traditional scoreboard traffic and weather. Hang with us here on a Tuesday edition. Phone lines are open at 694-1055. It's the opening kickoff. Hi, this is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoffs, and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. For the Orioles, Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in, but the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three, and they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the chop this year after winning three of 18 the previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad race. 623. Get that guy off the air. So let me throw this out at you. Uh, I was watching the Braves and Pirates yesterday. I didn't listen. To, obviously, I don't get the Pirate broadcast. But let's say the Pirate announcer Arr. was getting excited because the Braves had beaten the Pirates eight in a row. Let's say that came out, and I'm sure it did. I'm guessing it did on the broadcast that the Pirates are trying to snap an eight-game losing streak to the Braves. Did that constitute negativity? It's a fact. Yeah. I mean, I, could you imagine how that how that meeting went though? They brought this guy in, and they said, "We're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to remove you from the broadcast." Well, why? Well, did you, I mean we heard your comments? Were they wrong? Well, well, no. Um, was I too long? Well, n- n- no. Did did I did I curse? No. I mean, you didn't. You know, you remember the scene in The Blind Side when when Michael Orr finally blocks him and he takes him all the way down the field and throws him over the fence and they throw a flag and then the coach comes over. What's the flag for? And he's like, Did he hold him? Well, no. Did did was it a personal? No. Well, what's the flag for then? Excessive blocking. And he was like, You're kidding me, right? That's kind of it's kind of what this is like. It's like you're kidding me, right? You're taking me out there for. For spewing facts. I would ask this. Did they even call him in or they just send him a letter or a text? In this day yeah. and age, I don't even know if they sent him an email or if the, how the guy even found out about it. But Kevin Brown is generating a lot of fans. I'll say that. People yeah. are coming to his support, and well, they should. Um, it, it's so just – and, of course, why did it take so long – I mean, here we are, what, August 8th now? Is that what It is indeed right? August 8th. And this happened July 23rd. Has he has he been off the air that long? Man, conferences have realigned quicker than these, these guys have disciplined <laughs> uh, this broadcaster for doing absolutely nothing. You know, I wanted to get to Talk this. Talk about wrongfully accused. My goodness. Oh, I saw that movie. Wrongfully accused? Yeah, is yeah, that a movie? Yeah, yeah, that a movie? yeah. Was it a... Uh, the accused is... Wrongfully, look up wrongfully accused. 1998. Leslie Nielsen. Yep. Sounds like a real drama. Oh, it was. It, it Kelly LeBrock. There you go. It was really funny. So <laughs> this thing about Georgia getting, obviously, preseason number one, that doesn't surprise us. And I'm sure when the AP poll comes out, Georgia will be number one. But here's something to consider, Georgia fans. As Georgia looks for a 3 Pete, 
And as speculation is that they have a very easy ride because of their schedule. Yeah. Which that's been said. Only four preseason number one teams in the 32-year history of this poll have ever wound up number one. The last two years, do you remember who number one was preseason? Alabama. Only twice has a college football team that's been picked number one in the preseason coaches poll, and there are 66 coaches who vote on this. Only twice has a team gone wire to wire, stayed number one, Southern Cal and Florida State. So the odds are not in Georgia's favor if you read into the statistics. Uh, Troy got 25 votes. Auburn, 18. South Alabama, 8. I think that's a coup for South to get that many votes for top 25. They didn't get in, obviously, but that's pretty good to see their name in there above some, let's say, programs that are, let's say, a little more uh, known, more known around the uh, United States than the Jags. Um, Remember last year? I kind of like where Auburn is, though. You're kind of flying underneath the radar. New coach, high expectations, but it's a little subdued nationally. I, I think they have an opportunity there to make a little bit of a splash. Do you remember where TCU was last year? I don't. I don't even know if they were in the top 25. And what they did, they finished like the second. preseason? Yeah, the preseason. That, that was brought out. I mean, obviously, there's been some reaction as to overrated teams, underrated teams, uh, whether you want to buy into that or not. But I was just curious about TCU because I don't think last year they were even on the radar. And, of course, the spectacular season they had a year ago. Are you calling Auburn the next TCU? No. Oh. Not ready to do that. No. Thought you were going to go. I thought we were going to have a hot take there. No, no, no. Uh, I do not see TCU. I was just curious what they were last year. because I Because it, most of the Internet sites have come out. And you know how it is. These guys get paid to make opinions and so forth. And some are saying that LSU is overrated and Michigan's overrated and more more emphasis should be given to Kentucky. These are just things I picked up, but I mean, again, we'll we'll see how the season plays out. But for Georgia, I mean, you look at the schedule and you say to yourself, like, who are they who are they going to lose to during the regular season? And then, of course, you get to the postseason. And if the and if the poll is right, it'll be Big Ten versus SEC. Well, the chances are increasing every day. It's going to be a Big Ten school. There's like 80 teams in there now. Not this year, though. No, I the following year. Just a joke. Can All you right. imagine, though, the ACC picking up California and Stanford? Can you imagine? First of all, nothing. I mean, those schools are very good academically. I'm not saying anything. But, like, what do they bring to the conference? Seriously. A footprint. A, they bring a lot of travel. Look, here's where we are. Here's where we are in conference realignment. If you're a con- and I've been saying this now for a week, you're a conference commissioner, you gobble up as many known brands that are left, and you sort it all out later. That's the only way you're going to compete. And yes, geographically, it doesn't make sense, and it's chaos. But as Jimbo Fisher pointed out, what's the alternative if you're a college administrator and you don't get in one of these conferences? It's 629. We come back. Rush Propes is set to join us. We'll also get you some details on our fall football preview party. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff. Change all these things would be foolish. You know, there are certain things that we want to do or alter or 
you know, look at to enhance it, but a wholesale change would never make sense. And so, um, you know, there are still times where, you know, you got to remind yourself, hey, this is, you know, we're calling it this. And again, we have a great staff, great support staff with our analysts and GAs that help us, you know, Hey, 632, welcome back in. The opening kickoff, Mark and Lee, right here on the Sports Station WNSP. I'm going to ask Nick. Nick, was that uh, Philip Montgomery, the Auburn offensive coordinator? Or am I wrong? Because I hadn't heard him before. Yes, no, no answer. All right, we'll find out. Talking about changes, talking about, let's say, uh, a new culture. How about let's bring in a, a good friend of ours over the years, Rush Probst. Rush is the uh, new coach at Pell City. In fact, he replaced Steve Mask. And Rush, I want to welcome you to the opening kickoff. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Lee. Good Mark. Appreciate you having me. And I appreciate you joining us. So tell us, what's it like now back on the sidelines again? How's it going so far? It's It's going. <laughs> What I can tell you is going. Uh, no, we're excited. I mean, it's uh, it's a new challenge, and uh, players are you know buying into what we're trying to get done. I mean, it's it's slow go, but uh, you know we started last week because we didn't have spring, so we we got the extra week of fall practice. So we're in the week two. Uh, this morning, actually, we're on the practice field as we speak. Really? Okay. How many? What's the turnout been? What What was it like? What did you, when you took over, your, your thoughts on how many would show up and how many have shown up? You know, it's, it's, been, it's been better than I thought, to be honest with you. I mean, it's been better participation than what I was led to believe. Our numbers are still what, not what you need to be in 6A football. I mean, 6A football, in my opinion, you, you know, you should be around 85 to 90 players. You know, and I think when you get 7A, it's... It's ninety, ninety-five to hundred up, you know. But in but in six A ball, somewhere between that eighty-five range is pretty average, and uh, we're we're probably bumping around seventy-one or seventy-two kids. So we're probably twelve to fifteen down where I'd like to be. We've got a our senior class has about sixteen players, and you need to be at twenty-five plus. Uh, our junior class is pretty big. It's got 31 in it. Uh, what's our, one reason our numbers are low is, is our sophomore class is not real big. It's like 22. And I think a lot of that's because they just hadn't had ninth grade football. I, you know, in Alabama, when I got back, one of the changes I saw, Lee, was in Alabama, a lot of these places, I understand it in 1A, 2A, 3A. And even four, I understand it, but in five, eight, six, eight, seven, eight, these these teams, these teams would not uh, have ninth grade football. They would combine ninth grade and JV. And I think when you're at a six, eight, seven, eight level, you got to have a separate ninth grade team. And I'll give you an example. Last year we had eight teams finish the year at Pell City with Steve and them. Right now we have fifty freshmen strictly playing freshman football so our numbers will grow uh in time and that's what you got to have you got to have numbers rush let me ask you this in some of the previous jobs there's been controversy involved are things quiet on the western front up there no controversy yet none yet except you know uh, not much a little bit but not too much you know i think anytime you know you have a target on your back and I think y'all, the media keeps bringing it up, you know, but 
a lot of people don't know this, and I may announce this for the first time. You know, I was cleared of all wrongdoing in Georgia. Everything. Professional Standards Commission over in Georgia that handles your teaching certificate. All that rumor, all the media who thinks they know everything, said I was involved in recruiting and was fired for recruiting. Well, the Professional Standards Commission that's governed by the Attorney General's Office of Georgia cleared me of all wrongdoing. So, you know, that's the thing. But that's never reportedly. So y'all keep bringing it up about controversy, you know, and this, that, and the other. I was cleared at Caldwell County by the Professional Standards Commission. I was cleared by the Professional Standards Commission in Valdosta. So what controversy, you know, do I need to sue? Will I sue Valdosta? I don't know yet. Will I sue the people that were responsible for that? I I might. In the off-season, I might. Because, you know, eventually I've got to fight for myself. And the stereotyping the media puts on you is, is wrong. And the alleged, the word y'all use is alleged, is is something that is is bad for this country anyway. I mean, our former president goes through it every day, alleged this and alleged that. But at the end of the day, when you have people that attack you every single day, you have to fight back, and that's what I may do in the off season to to uh, to go after the people that 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 hurt me and my family. Well, we have an attorney coming up in a few minutes who handles civil suits, Rush. If you, uh, tell him to call me. Yeah, tell him to call me. Right. <laughs> tell him, to, tell him I'm, I'm put him on retainer. Okay. But, uh, no, but it's good here. You know, say about Italy. Things are good at Pell City. I've got a great administration. We've spent tons of money to get this program out of the ditch. And I think that's, that's the most important thing. I mean, my wife's back home. Uh, her mom and dad, we brought them in this weekend, moved them this past weekend. Seth and I have got a place on the lake here at Logan Martin. You know, I'm 30 minutes from where I grew up in Ohatchee. Um, so my brother lives in Birmingham. So, I, you know, I'm home. Basically, I'm home. You know, I started at Asheville High School back in 1989 as head football coach in St. Clair County, which is only about 17 miles up the road on 231. So I'm, I'm homely, and I feel real comfortable about being home. He's Rush Probst. He joins us here on WNSP. Coach, I got to ask you about your quarterback. Uh, did I read that he's from the Ukraine? Yes, his dad. Yeah, his dad. And, and uh, yeah, he's, he's Ukrainian. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, he's from Ukraine. Absolutely. How does how does I know we don't have a whole lot of time. I, I can't imagine football is big in Ukraine. How how did that come about? Well, well, he was there, and you know, his dad, very successful business person. So, um, he you know they were in California. He played out there, you know, when he was young, and then of course moved to Birmingham. Um, I think he played eight man football last year, you know, but he's. You know, he moved in here looking for an opportunity, and and uh, and I don't know that he'll be our quarterback, Mark. I, you know, he, he's battling another kid that's a ninth grader that's really coming on. So I think um, we'll see if he's the guy. We don't know yet. I mean, I, we still got two weeks to make a decision on who our quarterback is, and we have a kid that played quarterback last year 
Then we moved to receiver. So all three of them are battling for the position. Rush, let me say this. I, I appreciate the fact that you're actually taking time out from your practice. It sounds neat, you know, hearing the sounds in the background. Um, I, and I hope we're not taking too much time away. But let me ask you this. The, the issue of transferring kids in high school, of course, we know it's been going on forever. Do you think it's getting out of hand now? This is over, an overview question, not about your school or anything up there, but just over an overview. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 you know, it's just, what do you, I mean, what, parents got choices, Lee. I mean, the bottom line, if a, if a parent, I mean, look, I moved my kids from Georgia to Piedmont. I had a choice. And I went, you know, and I think it, players and kids have choices. Parents have choices. You know, and, and I, you know, I'm a little different. I, I believe in I believe in school choice, and um, we'll see what happens with all that. But I, you know, I, I don't know if it's out of hand. I mean, you got the transfer portal and it's alive and well, and and um, look, if a player don't want to be here with me and they don't want to play for me, I got no issues with them leaving. If they want to go play somewhere else, let them go. I mean, I mean. If you here's the deal. If you run your program right, if you run your program right, you're not gonna have players to leave. You know, and if they do, so be it. I mean, I don't want to hold a kid or a family that wants to do whatever with their kid. I mean, that's just me now. I mean, I'm a little different on it. I just, you know, I know when the times have changed and they'll continue to change. Not all for the good. But the best people know how to adapt to those situations instead of, you know, griping and complaining and and getting in front of media and talking about uh, they need to do this or they need to do that. I mean, just shut up and do your job. And and if kids are going to move, they're going to move. And, and, you know, look past all that and focus and concentrate on what needs to be done. I listened to some of that crap last week down in down in y'all's neck of the wood, you know, coaches need to focus on their team. Quit worrying about what else is going on. Focus on your team and what you can do to be better. Rush, I got to ask you before we let you go, you, uh, any guys on your uh, on your team kind of circling that October 6th date at Oxford? Uh, I'm sure they are. That's a big rival game, and I know, um, you know, we've already got a little – spark going there but oh, yeah. i think uh we got a long way to go for then guys i mean we, we can't look ahead to that i mean we're not ready to play oxford yet i mean we're, we're we're focusing on game one and that's you know hopefully we can win a few ball games this year they were one and nine last year they were two and eight the year before that so we're just trying to build a culture to try to win one game and then after we win one we'll win two so for us to circle anybody we're not gonna circle anybody we're gonna play them one game at a time is there any comparison to what you inherit now to when you came to Elma Bryant and turned that into a powerhouse that one year? I think it's very similarly. I think that's a great point. I think when you look at it, you know, everything was so new at Elma Bryant, but you had two losing cultures, and we put them together, which we had some talent, but we had to develop a winning culture, which we did. Um, here, it's a little different in the fact that we don't have the players that we had in Alma Bryant. Um, you know, we didn't have a Brandon Johnson or a Dwayne LaBelle or, or the Pete, Lynn Thompsons and Antoine Odoms. I mean, we just didn't. 
We don't we don't hear now we've got better players here than I was led to believe. You know, they just hadn't been developed. So we're in a developmental role. But yes, I think it's very similar to that. Very similar to Calcutt County when I got down there in South Georgia. People don't realize this, Lee. It ain't Hoover people talk about Hoover. People need to go back and look what Hoover did in ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. They were didn't have a winning season or any of them three. They were sub below five hundred, I think four and six, three and seven, four and six, if I remember. You know, it's wherever you go when you get there, you're gonna have to build. And all the way back to Asheville High School, I mean, you have to build and develop players and and you gotta coach the ones you got. And and hopefully that uh, our kids will develop a winning culture and you know, once we win one league then we'll go to win two. And then once we can win two, we start moving to win three. And then hopefully by the end of the year, we've won more than we lost in year one. But if you go back and look at my track record, four and six, first year I was at Colquitt, seven, three at Hoover, uh, I think five and four at Alba, you know, when before we even put them together. I think you fall, I was six and six. And I think at Asheville, I was five and six. Got beat in the first round. So most years, most places you go, you're going to struggle the first year. That's just the fact of life. I mean, um, you know, so I guess I guess what I'm saying to you is that it, it, it's going to take time to build this program here. I think Steve will tell you that. You know, it's just this place has been so downtrodden and so bad for so long. They've won one playoff game in 20 years. 20 years, one playoff game. So that's that's the thing we're trying to change here. I think they won 15 in school history. But back in the 80s, late 80s, when I was at Asheville, this this was a powerhouse football program. It was really good. They were always in the semis and quarters, challenging back then. It's just been on, and then they had that one good year in 2003. But outside of that, they've struggled, man. They've really struggled, and it's the culture here has been really bad. So we're trying to not only change football culture, we're trying to change an athletic culture here from everything. I'm talking about a school culture. So everything is on the table right now from academics to all athletics is trying to make this place better because Pell City is a really good place to live, Lee. You got the lake. You're outside of Birmingham. You're not too far from Atlanta. You're not far from the beach. You're not far from the mountains. So this is a really great place to live. Uh, you know, Bill Clark, my personal friend, is helping me on the outside. Uh, he comes to practice once a week, and we talk all the time. He lives right across the lake from me. So there's a lot of positive things are going on here, but it's going to take time to, to build this culture. Hey, Rush, we really do appreciate the time. Uh, best of luck moving forward, and we'll be in touch. All right, y'all keep the seafood coming from down there. I've got I got some people down there at Raymond Barber. He'll send me a care package every, every so often. So I do get to eat a little bit of uh, Mobile and Dolphin Island and Baylor Battery Seafood. And I appreciate y'all having me on, and we'll, we'll talk again. Sounds good. Thanks, Coach. Uh, Thank y'all. Yep. For those that need a little context, I asked about Oxford specifically because they got absolutely hammered by them in the uh, – in a seven on seven about three weeks ago and with one play left oxford according to reports started kind of giving them a little trash talk uh one of their players shouted mercy rule uh one of their coaches yelled make their asses quit rush probes replied according to reports hey 
F you. <laughs> so things are going swimmingly in uh, Pell City, but there's Rush Probst. All right, uh, mark your calendars. August 17th, the WNSP Fall Football Preview Party is set for heroes out there on Old Shell Road. Come on out and see us. It's going to be a lot of fun. And the grand prize as of right now, thanks to our good friends at Barrow Fine Furniture, a recliner valued at $1,800. That's right. The memory foam seating, 360-degree swivel, adjustable hands-free recline, uh, all available on this particular model. We'll have some details on how you can get your hands on it. I'll tell you this. You're going to have to be at Heroes to win. But uh, mark your calendars, August 17th at Heroes. We come back. We'll visit with David Green. Travis Ryer at 7 o'clock. Brian Matthews covers Auburn. He'll join us at 7.30. Got a lot of show left right here on the sports station. WNSP and WNSP.com. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Vern Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNSP Mobile, Alabama. Number one here on the sports station, Mark and Lee, right here on the sports station, WNSP. I want to say hello. Good morning to David Green of the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. David, welcome. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning, fellas. Doing well. It's a hot morning. Yes, it is. All right. Uh, subject of auto accidents, wrecks. Let's go on the bucket list. What is the first thing you recommend to anyone who is involved in in that type of uh, incident, a, a, a car accident, wreck, or whatever? Gosh, all so often we see accidents uh, on our major roadways. Really very important to make sure that you stop if you're involved in an accident and actually try to get your vehicle off the roadway. You see sometimes people just stop and get out of their vehicle. Their vehicle's in the middle of the road. Uh, not sure where they learned that. I know there's some uh, disagreement about that, but you really need to make sure if you can Get your vehicle off the roadway, get out of your vehicle, and get away from it because you may have other cars coming along that actually may strike it. Go ahead and make sure you call 911, and then after the police and the authorities arrive, determine whether or not you need to go to the hospital or be seen by someone. But we always suggest that if you're involved in a crash that you get checked out by your doctor, whether it's an urgent care or your general practitioner, Make sure you get checked out because Alabama has a statute that says basically after two years from the date of the accident, if you've not done anything, if you've not been checked out, um, your case goes away. You have a, Basically, you can't file your lawsuit if you actually need to. So very important to make sure you get checked out. You don't want to have a gap in treatment. You want to make sure that you get checked out after an accident. What do you do, and this happened to me, where somebody caused an accident and then drove off as we pulled off to the side? Well, I'll tell you what, that happens. Uh, I, I can recall a couple of cases that I actually, actually, one I actually saw. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that you have what's called uninsured or underinsured motorist coverage. Now, of course, you want to stop. You want to get a report. Go ahead and call and get someone to come and do a report that the accident actually occurred. But, you have a certain part of your policy that's called uninsured or underinsured motorist. We all call it in, in the business, we call it UM. 
you want to make sure you have UM in case you're struck by someone and they leave or if they simply do not have coverage. I know Alabama, you're, you're required to have insurance uh, initially when you get your tag on your car. And so a lot of times people can make that first payment. They can show the DMV that they have insurance, but maybe they, for some reason, they can't continue paying for their, their insurance. So you really want to make sure you have UM or underinsured motors on your policy. Very, very inexpensive, incredibly inexpensive. But gosh, if you need it, it really can make a huge difference if you're hurt in an accident and somebody leaves the scene. David, uh, you mentioned how hot it is. It's brutally hot out there. I was just curious. Can I sue Mother Nature for pain and uh, <laughs> suffering? I tell you, what, I don't think so. But I'll tell you what, it is. It's brutally hot, and I tell you, I'm very concerned about our our guys and girls that are all uh, out, especially our football players and our, our young ladies, maybe that are running track or whatever uh, across country. Uh, it is brutally hot, and I, I know that our coaches are doing a great job of watching these kids and making sure they have enough water and hydration and really timing when they're exercising. So, gosh, it is a it is a brutal time out there, and uh, got to be careful. Very, very, got to be very, very careful. We're running out of time, but something you know we've talked a lot. I've never asked you: Were you ever involved in a car accident? You know, I'm trying to remember. I think maybe I was. Uh, and it's been a long time ago, but uh, thank goodness I've, I've never been injured uh, that I recall. But, um, gosh, there are so many times folks are involved in them. And, uh, you know, gosh, we see a lot of injuries resulting in, in this type of situation. But uh, we just suggest if you're involved in something like that, like that, make sure you call a local law firm. You don't have to call Green and Phillips. You can call any of the other local firms and get you the advice that you need. David, have a wonderful day. Stay uh, stay cool, okay? You're a cool guy anyway. Absolutely. Stay cool. All right. We'll talk to you later. You David Green of the uh, Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. Forgot to mention that uh, we have a coach in the state that might need a lawyer. Maybe we didn't forget. Uh, Travis Ryer will kick off hour number two. Brian Matthews in there as well. We'll talk some Alabama and Auburn. Uh, you guys can continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. You know, you mentioned that there's a story out this morning that going back to that tragic accident in Georgia, which claimed the life of a football player and a staffer, one of the two that survived was a staffer on the Georgia uh, program, athletic program, and she has filed a lawsuit. That was done recently. Now it comes to pass that they have fired her. And according to her law firm, or let's say the lawyer that's representing her, the uh, she claims that she's being fired because she can't work because of injuries suffered in that accident. I would argue it's because she brought suit against the. I <laughs> would too. Lawyer. That's exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I was going with. I mean, this. it's not rocket science, folks. No. All right, uh, let's get the latest on all things Alabama next. Uh, continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. Hour number one in the books. Here comes hour number two right here on the sports station, WNSP.
This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, hour number two. Thanks for hanging with us on this Tuesday edition. It was a busy hour number one. If you missed our interview with Rush Probst, that will be up uh, wherever you find your uh, favorite podcast a little bit later this morning. As always, Rush never disappoints. No, it doesn't, and it, I think it added the fact that they were on the practice field. So uh, you had the coach taking time out on his cell phone to talk to us while his Pell City players were uh, practicing. Some of the headlines, uh, Georgia, to nobody's surprise, is the pick to be number one in the coaches' poll, the 66 coaches uh, picking Georgia. I don't know if all of them picked it. I didn't check to see if it was unanimous, but I would think it would be. 61 first-place votes. Oh, five said no. Okay. And I will point out that Georgia, uh, being the preseason number one in the 32 previous years, the number one preseason pick has finished first only four times. So that's something to think about. Alabama, by the way, was third. Auburn got a few votes. They were not in the top 25. And South Alabama got some votes also, uh, but they were not in the top 25. And the four remaining Pac-12 teams left standing, Stanford, California, Oregon State, and Washington State, are now looking for options. Apparently, the ACC is interested in talking to Stanford and California, and the American Athletic Conference may be uh, be looking at all four of those schools to pull them into that conference, and I would think the Mountain West would have some interest anyway because that's what really makes more sense with the uh, Mountain West Conference. Let's talk some Alabama football with Travis Ryer. Travis joining us now on three, and I hope I'm right on that. Am I right on that, Travis, on three? You're getting there, Lee. You got it. Oh, good. Yep. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I, I should write it down. You think? And I was thinking about this, and I'm saying I know it. It, it, it is Bam Online on three, and he's ready to go. Travis, good morning. How are you today? Great. I wanted to, first of all, what with the coordinators being permitted to speak this week, what is being done? I, I saw that story. Uh, one of the Alabama players quoted as saying that Kevin Steele, the defense coordinator, is taking pains to try to cut down on penalties that Alabama had amassed last year, one of the highest totals in the SEC. What, what can he do? What, is he, what, what kind of game plan for that? Well, according to some of the players, anyway, there's uh, accountability in the form of push-ups. You make a mistake, you commit a penalty, you're looking at 10, and then it kind of, it goes from there. So, uh, at least in some form or fashion, publicly, we're at least aware of some accountability for a team that did have too many penalties a year ago, not just on one side of the ball either, really across the board. Uh, special teams, uh, defense, offense, all three phases. Uh, team that uh, you know committed too many, too many flags. So it's going to be like they're all going to be like Willie Mays Hayes out there, like doing push-ups at the plate after popping one up. Yeah, uh, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Mark Wahlberg uh, approach, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I think he does like a thousand a day or something crazy. Um, gonna have some guys in some good shape if nothing else. But <laughs> again, it, it's a team that you know even a year ago was veteran in nature. So that was the surprising aspect of it a year ago. That wasn't an exceptionally young or young at all. 
football team and they still struggle with that. You, you kind of expect that to be a byproduct when you're inexperienced. And if anything, Alabama going to be a good bit more inexperienced this year than it was a year ago. Did the offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, say anything that gives a clearer path as to how this offense may operate? Probably not. I mean, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Tommy obviously said the things that he needed to say uh, in relation to making the transition from a terminology standpoint, uh, adapting to the Alabama offense and, and the way things are, are done in terms of uh, verbiage and, and terminology. And, uh, you know, that he thinks that that process has gone pretty smoothly. Uh, talked a lot about adapting existing talent to, to what the offense uh, wants to do and uh, the skill sets involved there. So, um, you know, I think Kevin Steele maybe gave an indication as much as anyone about Tommy Reese and that, you know, his background and kind of where he comes from and kind of a, a physical tough approach to the game. And, you know, that's been the, it's been the narrative for the Alabama offense throughout the off season is increased physicality and, more of a commitment to uh, establishing the run and um, you know imposing the will of the offense and the run game on opponents. To that point, uh, you know I don't know if they still do this, but back in the day, after games, they used to hand out the sheet. Who do you want to talk to? Uh, I'm, I might be aging myself a little bit there, Travis, but. I got to put Tyler Booker up there now as my, my number one. I'd want to talk to that dude like every day. He's a quote machine. We want to physically dominate you. We want to intimidate you, blah, blah. I mean, it just goes on and on. Uh, we want to make people quit this year, and there's no better way to do that than running the ball. I mean, if you're an Alabama fan, how does that not get you pumped up? Yeah. Uh, if you're going to put an offensive guard up there, right, that's what you want to hear from that guy. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what he's going to give you. He's not going to get up there and, hey, you know, we're going to flip the quick screens out to the wide receivers <laughs> and try to beat you in space. So, yeah. uh, but that that epitomizes, I think, Tyler as a, as a player and the way he goes about his business. So, um, that that's the offense that, that every offensive lineman should want to play in. Um, one that is downhill in nature and direct runs and, um, you know, it's still going to have bells and whistles pre-snap, but when the ball is snapped, um, let's get on people and get movement and, you know, try to run the football. Whereas it certainly wasn't defined, and, and, and I know the coaches, you know, are not going to say this. I'm curious, the next time we talk to you, and I think that would follow a scrimmage. Don't they have a scrimmage coming up Saturday? Yep. Okay. Do you think, and this is just a gut feeling, that when that scrimmage is over with and after they evaluate the quarterbacks, that perhaps they'll basically uh, get it down to two? And, and so, you know, we talk about the three, but really put it in the hands of two of the three quarterbacks that are supposedly in, in the mix to start? Yeah, you know, I think if nothing else, there'll be some semblance of an initial pecking order. I think right now, Yes, they've gone one, two, three, but that's been due in large part to time in the program. You know, Jalen Miller first, Ty Simpson second, Tyler Buckner third. So it's been sensible, and they are pouring just rep after rep into as many guys, not just at quarterback, but across the, the team as they possibly can. Um, you know, even before this scrimmage, that may start to happen, but certainly coming out of it, uh, I would expect that to be more the case. Maybe not down to two, but a, a, a more defined one, two, three, regardless of class status or experience uh, in, in, the, in their time at Alabama. So 
I would expect that to be the case at least. And then when you get into scrimmage two and, you know, you come out of that one, that's when I would think more of a one-two with some decent separation between the three would occur. Although, you know, we heard Nick Saban say it on Sunday. And just because he names a starter doesn't mean that competition is going to be over. So um, that tells me that, you want to, if, 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 at a minimum, you know, you'd obviously want to be the number one. But if you're the number two coming out of that second scrimmage, you're still a good bet to see time um, against Middle Tennessee in the opener. And if that's the case, uh, who knows? You could be the starter when Texas comes to town a week later. For sure. Let's concentrate on the running backs. Considering that they stay healthy, okay, and, and injuries are not a part of this. Who would you speculate would be the, the top running back rushing-wise this coming season? Well, right now I'd go with Jace McClellan, uh, and that's assuming he can kind of dodge a little bit of the injury bug that has hampered him each of the last two seasons. And uh, Because I still think he is an outstanding mix of inside and outside. You know, he can get it done between the tackles, uh, and then he showed you a year ago. He does have some of that. Uh, filled flipping speed, maybe not to the extent certainly of a Jameer Gibbs, but uh, relative to the other backs in that room right now, I think he is right at the top of that list. So, you know, I'd still go with Jace. I think there's certainly – I'm not sure that the switch to more of this type of approach, if that is in fact what we see here, benefits him the most. I don't think it, it hurts him. I think he can do what they need to do. Uh, if they're they're more of this downhill and, and one cut and direct approach, uh, but I think guys like Roydell Williams benefit. I think guys like Jam Miller, uh, who's been dealing with a quad strain, when healthy can benefit. And I also think um, you know Justice Haynes, the newcomer, can certainly benefit from that. So you know they're going to throw the football to their backs too. Uh, I don't think that's going away. Jameer Gibbs, maybe not to the extent that he caught it a year ago, but. Uh, we saw it in the spring game, too. I mean, these quarterbacks are going to be encouraged to check it down to some of these guys. And so, you know, that's what I liked about Justice Haynes probably more than anything else in the 8 day game was uh, he's obviously very good on the ball. But as a receiver off the ball and then also as a pass protector, uh, he looked very advanced in, in those areas, too. Who would you have voted or how would you have voted Alabama in the coaches poll if you had that vote? Obviously you don't, but I mean if you did, where would you have placed Alabama? Probably two, you know. I, I get it with Michigan and everything the Wolverines bring back, but the last time we saw Michigan, they laid an egg against a TCU team that is still giving up points to Georgia right now as we speak. So um I, I guess at some point Michigan will will prove to be that type of team. Uh, but if you're going to ask me to, to choose between Alabama and Michigan right now for the second spot, I'm I'm going to go with the SEC team, period. If LSU was three, I'd, I'd be telling you the same thing. Uh, it really wouldn't matter. Uh, those, are, those are the teams I'd have up there. Travis, as always, man, great stuff. Never a dull moment. How can people continue to follow your coverage? Just go to BamaOnline.com. We're right there on the On3 network. Hey, man, have a great week. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. It's Travis Ryer, ladies and gentlemen. Scoreboard, traffic, weather are next. We'll talk some Auburn with Brian Matthews at 730. Uh, Tim Haggerty uh, is going to join us at 8 o'clock. We'll have some Chick-fil-A in hour number three. Jake Crane's going to join us in hour number three as well. Up next, uh, Dave McCrary, LCM Motorcars will join us. We'll, uh, we'll find out what's cooking over there.
It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. The opening kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. That's right, David McCurry, LCM Motorcars, lcmmotorcars.com, joins us here on WNSP. David, rolling down Cottage Hill last night, right behind a car with the uh, the sticker right there, LCM Motorcars. You guys are everywhere. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, we, we've, um, those little stickers, they work. Uh, we get a red light every once in a while, we look around, it's going to be a couple, three of them, which, which makes us all warm and fuzzy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, this week, we've got trucks we've got four-wheel drives we've had a lot of trucks in inventory here recently but there's been a lot of two-wheel drive stuff but we have purchased quite a bit of four-wheel drive stuff this the past 10 days i got a uh, 18 sierra um four-wheel drive it's a z71 leather guts crew cab we got a ford f-150 um two of them actually four-wheel drive wheels and tires on one of them uh, one of them's um, got the factory wheels, both four-wheel drive, good-looking vehicles. Got a 19 F-250 uh, white diamond platinum vehicle with um, maroon interior, and it is absolutely gorgeous, um, four-wheel drive diesel. So we've got the vehicles right now. we got trucks from $69.95 all the way up to $64,000. All right, man. Well, it sounds like they won't be on the lot for long. So when can, when's a good time for folks to come out and take a look? We're there um, from 8 to 6 the rest of the week. On Saturday, we'll be there from 9 to 2. Um, give us a call, 251-375-0068. Hey, David, thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. All right, buddy. Have a good day. Yep, that's Dave McCreary, LCM Motorcars, lcmmotorcars.com. Uh, if you can't get out there, make sure uh, you check them out on the website. They're constantly updating their inventory there. And follow them on social media as well. They put a lot of that stuff on Facebook as well. So our thanks to the fine folks over at LCM Motorcars. A lot of play-by-play uh, -play announcers coming to the defense of Kevin Brown, the Oriole TV broadcaster, who reportedly on July 23rd, and don't ask me why it's taken this long to figure this all out, uh, actually had a compliment to the team, but in doing so had to revert back to the last three years about the Orioles having problems winning at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. And getting ready for the uh, broadcast, I guess on July 23rd, Kevin Brown pointed out that if the Orioles won, they would have won as many games this year at that field as they had in the last three years. For that, apparently, Oriole management, whoever, uh, laid him off, suspended him indefinitely, and now the story has come to light. You would have thought, and I don't follow the Orioles' radio TV broadcast, uh, if he hasn't been broadcasting, you would have thought, Mark, that something would have been said before this because you're talking about, what, about two weeks I'm wondering, though, when he does come back on, and he is, how passive-aggressive are you? Does it do you, take away a lot you, of your— Do uh, you take a shot? Do you, do you make just kind of the subtle remarks and take some subtle jabs at the Orioles organization? No. Dude was just no. doing his job. Uh, and by taking him off the air— You've done exactly what you tried to avoid to do, uh, which you were trying to avoid, which was which was bring a negative light to your franchise. 
Dude did a deep dive into some numbers. They're not flattering numbers, but he presented it in a way that was very positive to this year's squad. And dude got suspended indefinitely. He wasn't nasty about it. He wasn't angry. He was simply reporting fact. And dude got suspended. He was trying to point out how the Orioles rise to the first place in the American League is one of the reasons they have been doing well against Tampa. That was strictly it. So my question is, okay, so you suspend Brown. Do you suspend the graphics guy that put the graphics up there? Do you suspend the producer, who I'm sure had some say in this on the TV broadcast? Uh, a lot of times these announcers said, okay, we're going to show this graphic, talk about how the Orioles are doing well. Do, 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 did all of them? get suspended uh, just because it was Kevin Brown announcing it, but there had to be some help behind the scenes. And also do you suspend the statistician who fed Kevin Brown? Because prior to a game, and I'm sure most of you know this, there is a insurmountable number of uh, stat sheets that you get. You know, I've been in, I've been up in the, uh, you know, in the Braves. I used to go up in the uh, press box before games and it, it's unbelievable the, the number of stuff that you get, you know, just in uh, releases uh, prior to that game. Uh, all kinds of little stuff. And those who follow baseball and uh, watch it on TV or on the radio know what I'm talking about. You get all these kind of stats that are thrown at you and so forth. So do, does whoever put that together, do they get fired? Kevin Brown from I don't know. I didn't know anything about him until yesterday, to be honest with you. I hadn't even heard of him because I don't follow the Orioles. Apparently seems to be a pretty good play-by-play announcer, according to some of the uh, tweets that came in from other recognized play-by-play announcers, that this guy does a really, really good job. Now, we've seen announcers fired, Mark, because of comments they've made, racial comments, things like that. But nothing as insignificant as this have I ever seen announcer get suspended. Usually it's for something that, well, goes against the culture, uh, sensitivity, things like that. This is just really weird. Uh, I'm curious though. I I'm petty, so I would I would take a shot when I come back on the air about the Orioles. The job, those jobs are so exclusive, and they're just so few of them. I'd just be like, I'm Kevin hey, Brown, and I'm here to report all positives on Baltimore Orioles baseball. Thanks for joining us. I would wonder if this ever happened to the late Skip Carey. The Braves announcer, what he would say on his way back. Because if you want to talk about somebody who made controversial comments about how is his father, Harry Carey, controversial comments? Oh, uh, we will uh, talk some Auburn when we come br- come back. Brian Matthews set to join us. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff here on a Tuesday edition. Stay with us. It starts with the individual, and it's the same way with our team. The question is really, hey, Ken, will you bow down to what they say about our team? Will you bow down to to the culture that says, hey, live like you want to live, do what you want to do. It doesn't matter what your team says. Will you bow down to that, or will there be a fire inside of you that is greater than whatever furnace would be put before you? Is it going to be hot when we play those teams? Yeah, they're good teams. 
It's 7.32. Welcome back in. The opening kickoff, Mark Lee in the studios of WNSP. All right, we're going to talk some uh, Auburn football now with Brian Matthews, Auburn Sports on the line with us right now. Brian, welcome to the show, the opening kickoff. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing terrific. Me and Winnie the pup are out here uh, finishing up a walk. Is that right? Okay. And is it too yep. not too hot out there right now? We try to get out as early as possible, but yeah, it's starting to heat up already. All right. How did was it hot and heavy when you uh, got a chance to talk to the Auburn defense and offensive coordinators yesterday? What did you take away from that? Well, they're mostly having um, morning practices, I think, to sort of beat the heat a little bit right now in the early part of camp. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't say yesterday's uh, meeting with the coordinators was, uh, you know, really big newsworthy, but we did pick up on a few things. Such yeah, as – I think um, – Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say uh, offensive coordinator Phil Montgomery had some good things to say about all the quarterbacks, but probably talked more about Holden Gearner the most as far as describing his um, accuracy, uh, his, his – uh, really likes the way the ball comes out of his hands and um, how well he's picked up the offense. So I thought that was interesting. I think um, you can read into that or you can't read that. Sometimes coaches will talk up a player, you know, to give him some good press and uh, give him some confidence when he's not necessarily going to be in that uh, race when it goes from 32. And sometimes he's being, you know, 100% real and Holden's making a big push to, you know, maybe be a, a finalist for that job or maybe win it. So, you know, I think you can look at it a couple of different ways. Um, I also talked about the receivers, uh, certain ones stepping up. I think Jay Fair is a kid that, because um, he's a sophomore now, that um, is getting some early pub in camp about uh, maybe being an improved player, a guy that can help out a little bit more in the slot than he has his first year or two. Um, uh, that's most of the offense, I think, that uh, stands out to me. Uh, defensively, uh, Ron Roberts has some really um, – Really high praise for Jalen McLeod, the uh, edge uh, jet linebacker transfer from Appalachian State. I'm going to have a story on him this morning, but he's obviously impressed really all summer and in the first four, four practices of camp. He looks to be Auburn's number one pass rusher, I think, this season. I think that's good. I think they're challenging the secondary to be a little bit more mentally sharp and tough and make good decisions. Um, this is an attacking style defense. And the secondary can't afford to make mistakes. Or, you know, they're giving up uh, you know, that 70-yard bomb for touchdown, right? So they're, they're trying to stress those guys a lot and really pressure them into, you know, being more consistent. I think that's a big thing there. And he also said the linebacker um, competition is really wide open right now. And there's, uh, I think, about four or five guys can beat the two spots. Should we read into anything yet that Peyton Thorne – the Michigan State transfer was taking snaps behind the first-team offensive line that Ashford, who was the starter last year, was actually taking snaps third-string quarterback. Is that accurate? Well, that's accurate in a, in a one perspective, and that's the perspective of that you know, 25, 30-minute window we get at the start of every other practice um, to see that with our own eyes. Uh, what Coach Freeze and Coach uh, Montgomery have said is they're rotating um, Peyton, Peyton and Robbie Ashford um, equally between the ones, the twos, and the threes. Uh, we don't get to see all that when we're out there because it's just for basically 15 minutes of them just tossing the ball around a little bit and then 15 minutes of stretching. So, it's, yeah, I would take all that with a, grain, a big old grain of salt. So... Whereas the quarterback position, you mentioned wide receivers, the 
is Hunter going to be there or not, obviously, or, or headlines. What about the offensive line, which I think is the real key to the season for Auburn, putting together an offensive line that can hold up against SEC teams? What Anything there that uh, gives you some hope? Yeah, and, and I do think Hunter will be back at practice here fairly soon. Um, There's some really positive signs pointing to that. Uh, but the offensive line, I would say, is the most improved position on the team from the end of last season to now. They made big, big steps in the spring. Um, I think they're really happy with a lot of the guys they brought in in the spring, like Avery uh, Jones up there at center and uh, Gunnar Britton at right tackle and Dylan Wade at left tackle. And now they've got this big competition at the two guard spots, and they got like you know, four or five or even six guys maybe uh, competing there. So I think they feel really, really good about the offensive line. What they're going to do, I think, for the next week or 10 days of camp or so is continue to compete at that guard position to sort of set all the starters and then maybe have a couple of weeks before that first game or you know, at least 10 days where they can you know, work together as a, as a number one unit and, and sort of get that chemistry working, you know, those five together through most of our practice. Brian Matthews, our guest here on WNSP. All right, Brian, you piqued my curiosity there with your with your with your Hunter comment. There, is it, what what signs are you seeing? Can you can you can you delve in a little bit there for us? Yeah, a little bit, right? Uh, and, and this is my opinion. You know, it's, it's speculation. It's not a I'm not writing a story saying you know breaking or anything on it. But right. um, we have seen him around the complex um, for the first time in a couple months, and that's multiple times we've seen him around. So that's a sign, right? And, I would say um, so, sure. You know, we're hearing some things from people we talked to that, uh, you know, appear to be more confident now that he will return to practice. Um, that doesn't mean he'll be eligible for game one, but uh, I do think a return to practice is fairly imminent, in my opinion. Ryan Matthews with Auburn Sports uh, joining us, and certainly that would come as good news. But they, they seem to have some depth at running back. I mean, obviously you want Hunter back because he is pegged as your leading rusher. But let's say he doesn't play in game one. Who does run the football then? Uh, they really do have depth at running back. I would say that's one of the strongest positions on the team, along with tight end. And um, I, I would say that Tamari Austin is going to be a really a real star in this league. He looks so good to me in the spring. You know, he looks better to me now. So he would be the guy if Hunter can't go. Maybe the first uh, two or three games, right? And, uh, of course, we went out and got uh, Brian Batie, uh from USF, who was a pretty solid running back. You know, I know he's undersized, but um, can still run between the tackles and can certainly carry a load for a, a, an amount of time. And uh, certainly the first uh, few weeks he could uh, take on a bigger role. And then uh, it didn't take me but a couple of times watching Jeremiah Cobb. You know, I've seen him in high school, but just watching him out there with the big boys, uh, the true freshman, he is 100% going to be a really good SEC back. He um, he really has great motor and speed, and uh, just just already looks that way, right? You can see it. So uh, that's a position I think that's really really strong for Auburn going into the fall, even without Hunter. Brian, the Auburn Tigers got a few votes for the top twenty-five. They were not in the top twenty-five of the coaches' poll. If you were voting, would you vote them in top twenty-five? Not yet. Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. I think they're. Uh, Excuse me, there's a bus uh, coming by me now, so it might be hard to hear me. So there's school up here, so uh, that's fine. But, um, you know, I think they're a, a middle-of-the-pack SEC team right now. You know, if they can compete and, you know, win some key games, you know, Arkansas, Texas A&M, you know, those type games, and rise to the top of that middle pack and 
maybe even have a chance to pull an upset, you know, playing Alabama or Georgia at home. Sure, they deserve to be a top 25 team if they can accomplish that. But I think, um, you know, I think Auburn is best served with this team with 40-plus newcomers, a brand-new coach, new system, to just concentrate on themselves, not get caught up in any preseason hype and just see if they're a team that can get better and better as the season goes on and see what they can get done in October and November. If, when Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss, if you had formulated any opinions about him, has anything changed since he came to Auburn? Oh, boy, that is interesting. Oh, wow. Um, okay, so my opinion of Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss was a very good offensive mind and a very good recruiter. And we've certainly seen the recruiting part here. He is doing a fantastic job in the 24 class right now building that. Auburn could be putting together maybe its best or second best ever recruiting class in the Bible's era. I, I looked uh, yesterday, and the best class they had, I think, was fourth in the country back in 2010. And uh, I think he has a chance to come close to that. We'll, we'll see. Uh, right now they're 19th in the country, 15 commitments, but they're third in the country in average stars. It tells you as they move up that uh, number of commitments to 20, which is the – the point at which everybody's equal, uh, they're going to move up in those rankings pretty high, too. So that's something to watch there. Um, and, of course, the way his um, you know, his career ended at Ole Miss, not career, but his time at Ole Miss ended, um, certainly met left in impression, too. And um, I think that's the thing he's worked on the most is to make sure he doesn't have any missteps with Auburn. You've heard him talk about it on and off the record a lot, about how he wants to be careful and, not make a mistake, make a mistake, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. I think he's really, really cognizant of um, of that part of his um, past. So hey. I would say so far, so good for uh, you, Freeze, and what he's done at Auburn. Really impressed. Hey, Brian, can't thank you enough. Uh, tell folks again how they can follow your coverage of uh, Auburn football. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. And uh, you can check me out at auburnsports.com. Uh, sign up for a free trial online. We're offering a really good deal right now. And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter and even threads at BMATAU. Hey, man, have a great week. We appreciate it. All right, y'all take care. And I believe when Brian started this interview, he was out walking his dog. He was. He did still you, was. Do you do that in the morning when you get up, walk your dog? No. I did. I have to. I was out at 3.30 this morning. Walking your dog? Yeah. Fun. Okay. Yeah. Certainly look forward to that. Uh, there's an interesting... Uh, Story in the app we need to share with you guys. Uh, and so uh, there was a fight over the weekend, got a lot of headlines, but the real fight apparently was in Montgomery. That was a free-for-all. We'll talk about that next. Uh, it's gotten national headlines. Just craziness. We'll get to that, uh, and the story in the app is, is a goodie. Lee might enjoy it. Or he might not. There's only one way to find out. I'll let you know. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate I'll let you it. know. All right. If you're not busy walking your dog, of course. That was already accomplished. Okay. Long before you were up. Yep. Glad we got that out of the way. All right. Wrapping up hour number two next right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters. You're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. traditions that we've had for a long time in college football and uh, I think we're in a time of 
evolution for whatever reasons. Um, and some of those traditions are going to get sort of pushed by the wayside, I think. And it's sad. Um, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent for college football, I guess. Yeah, talking about traditions, how about that? That was Nick Saban. He was asked about realignment. How about this? What if California and Stanford actually join the ACC? That Look, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. There's just talk. It would make more sense if they, along with the two other Pac-12 teams, Oregon State and Washington State, merged in with the Mountain West, I mean, from a geographical but you can throw geographical out the window because apparently that doesn't matter anymore. And I've been reading some of these, uh, well, tweets and so forth about student-athletes. For instance, out at Washington, softball players concerned that when they signed on to play for Washington, they wanted to play, you know, close to home so their parents could see them. And then wondering, what, we're going to be playing in New Jersey or something like that? Well, again, you know, you look at the ACC and the payouts in the ACC, 31 mil, I mean, that's good money, not great money compared to the Big Ten and the SEC, but it's a little bit more than the Pac-12 was going to get at 23 million when they started, if they did start with that Apple TV. Ooh, the old, we'll give you money based on your subscriptions. Yeah, that's not good. All right, what, what fight are we talking about now in Montgomery? The fight. The fight. The brawl. Yes. It's gotten national, national uh, attention, the brawl at the Montgomery Riverfront. So uh, basically uh, what happened was it was along the Alabama River on the dock, right? So uh, one of these riverboat guys was trying to, to dock, and there were some guys out there that wouldn't move their pontoon. So dude went out and basically tried to untie the pontoon so they could put the man and all hell broke loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, all sorts of things started trending, all sorts of terms. And this. <laughs> so the guy for the riverboat like took his hat on and off. It was going to do like the whole over the top thing and put it on backwards, but then couldn't put it on. So he just threw it out the way and they just started brawling, dude. And like everybody got this on video and there's tons of video. It was an unbelievable—I mean, it was crazy. Suspensions coming up? Uh, Arrests. They have not made arrests, which is just bonkers to me. I saw that uh, they said whenever he threw his hat up in the air, it was like a bat signal. Yeah. Everyone came to his aid. Uh, And then uh, this guy swimming across (laughs) the—like, dude (laughs) got all sorts of pub. He was on the ferry, like, cruise liner type thing on the other side of the water— and he saw that the guy needed help, so he <laughs> he dove yeah. off the boat and just started swimming over there. Do you see the terms trending now? So it was uh, Michael B. Phelps uh-huh. and Black Aquaman because dude Aquaman. apparently because uh, dude was dude was was moving yeah. at a pretty well, good then clip. They started, uh, so then it got really crazy, and I saw an edit where like they were coming out. Of like the <laughs> Doctor Strange portals, yeah. Um, <laughs> but now nah, he had like the 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 chair. Dude had the steel chair, yeah, and was going around and not. And then the one dude like fell between the boat and the dock. It was an all-out brawl. I mean, it looked Lee. It looked like something out of WWE. Did anybody get really hurt though? I mean, 
I would hospital, been, let's say hospitalized. I don't know if anybody was hospitalized, but I would have been licking my wounds for sure. I mean, there was some craziness going on. But you would have put up your dukes, held your own. Um, you're not gonna, you're not gonna. Well, for away. a while there, it was like one on three or four before reinforcement showed up. So the quite basically what happened was the guys just wouldn't move their pontoon. It wasn't yeah. supposed to be there. And then instead of like moving it or having words, they just went after this guy. Now, I'm not sure untying somebody else's boat is the best way to go about it, but dude just had had enough and said, move it or I'll move it for you. And when you're fall this heat, you know, we had that big baseball battle brawl Saturday. The heat uh, has anything to do with it. You know, it's just uh, people are just, I don't know, they, they're just losing their, their cool in the heat of the night or the heat of the day. Um, Tempers flaring. The city of Montgomery will be sued like no other, regardless of fault. The guy swimming works for the boat. Um, someone said apparently the guy was the kid was like sixteen. Uh, it was it was craziness. It was it was anarchy. Yeah, a lot a lot of good memes. A uh, lot of great it. memes. I saw that on a I think a radio show in Montgomery. They did a whole segment where they interviewed the chair. <laughs> And he was talking about how he was supposed to be uh, D1 at, at the sidelines of the UAB basketball games and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, the the mayor's gotten involved. Yep. Like it's it's a it's a huge thing, man. It was crazy brawl. So who? What? What's your uh, takeaway from it? Is there a right? Is there a wrong? Did things escalate too far? Is it, oh, is that it coming? Uh, yeah. is it <laughs> I'd say things escalated way too far. Well, the guys with the pontoon boat weren't supposed to be there, right? Correct. All right. So they were in the wrong. I don't, I mean, does the guy on the boat, the river boat, I guess, they jumped, in a they perfect. the worker first. Right. Well, the worker untied the pon, tried to un right. untie the pontoon boat. And then three of them, I think, also was was punching him. Yes. Yeah, so, and I guess, I, I hate to say that the, the river boat guy was in the wrong, although you, you're asking for trouble if you're untying somebody else's boat. So, in a perfect world, he goes to find harbor police or whatever's out there, whatever law enforcement is out there, and be like, deal with this. But... Wasn't that was that him though? I didn't think so. I thought he was. I don't know. Maybe. I felt like he was on the boat and trying to get the river boat. Maybe not. May, if that's the case, then he was certainly in the right, and those guys were in the wrong. I mean, you can't condone what these guys were doing. The pontoon guys were doing. Right. All sunburned and flabby, uh -huh. and been out there drinking all day craziness oh i got a story for you too before we run out of time you guys are gonna like this in the app you guys can jump in on this by the way it was probably if you're into you know fights it was probably better than the jake paul fight let me see if i can find my uh story here in the app so this guy says he's in bermuda lee hanging out in a hot tub and this older gentleman gets in and we're striking up a conversation He's there with his family, and he's from New Jersey. I told him I was from Mobile. He asked me if I knew his brother. Told him it was a slim chance Mobile's a larger city. His brother? Lee Shervanian. I was soaking with his brother, Bruce, right there in the app. 
No punches thrown. No punches <laughs> no thrown. No fight. No nothing. It's like <laughs> was your was your was your brother recently in Bermuda? Yes. So this this holds up. This is actual it's fact. A, it's confirmed. He was in Bermuda with his family, with his uh, children, grandchild, two grandchildren, and they had a great time. So hot tub and runs in the family. It does. He didn't want to make that a big family trip and head out there with him. Oh, here you go. Don't get him all riled yeah, up let's now. Not, there let's, you go. Yeah, let's let's not go there. It's gonna poke the bear. Yeah, please. Let's. Just, I'm going to avoid that for obvious reasons. Mm-mm-mm. So, this person was the one in the hot tub, right? Right. Talking to my brother. Correct. Oh, wow. I have to ask my brother about it. Small world. Yes. And the fact that the Shravanian family, has, it, it's not just a lead thing with hot tubs. It's a family thing. Did y'all hang out in the hot tubs growing up? We did not. No. Wasn't even aware Would of it. Would you have liked that's, to? That's why they enjoy it so much now. Uh, they were deprived of it in their youth. Hmm. We, probably that's that's accurate. Um, I don't... We weren't much into swimming in those days, Mark. We weren't like into water boating or anything like that when I lived in New Jersey. We we competed in recreational sports, but we never I don't ever recall when you say hot tub, I didn't even know they existed. Hmm. Did they? Can Back you in swim, the fifties? Can I? Not very well. No. You you don't want to be the person out there having problems and hope that I'm gonna save you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not because you don't want to save somebody. Let's make that clear. Right. Oh, I Lee's would want to. not going to turn around and like, nah, I ain't got time no, for I'm, that. No, I'm just not a very good swimmer. And for, I guess for those, you know, many reasons, I don't, I've never really been big into boating. Like, you know, I know that's big down here. I mean, there are, and I'm sure in your neighborhood, don't you have boats in the driveway? People have boats in the driveway. They do in my neighborhood, which is fine. And and I've been on plenty of boats and things like that, but it's not something that I'm really excited about. Did I ever tell you the story in Pensacola? <laughs> Went out on a, uh, I was new there. You know, I just arrived, and the one of the uh, female workers said, hey, look, we're going out on my sailboat. You want to come along? I said, sure, why not? I had nothing better to do on a Sunday. I didn't know many people in Pensacola. Oh, yeah, you get it, Lee. Yeah, so there's about four of us. Uh, and we're, four? yeah, we're about quite a ways away from the shore coming back and guess what the boat stalled and water is seeping in and like it's getting a little bit on the cold side we made it i don't remember how but it was i'm not going to say a scary uh, you know existence but i mean i wasn't too you know thrilled about it we couldn't get back in Hmm. boat stopped moving did you start freaking out or did you play it cool because there? I, I played it cool because because of the women. You, you, you yeah, there to, was two guys. You need to two play women. cool. Yeah, I played it cool. Was it a double date? No, it was not a date. It was just casual. Casual. Just some yeah, come out. out. Yeah, come on out. Enjoy. We'll take you on a sailing trip. I don't recall ever going back on a sailing trip. Y'all just hanging back. I'm more. I'm more on slugging land. mai tais or would, yeah, that you drink the mai tais. I don't remember what we even had in the boat. It's been that. It's been back in the. Let's see. It would have been like in 1979, I guess. 1979. Something like that. Did they have hot tubs back then? Hmm. I sure would have liked one back then. 
Did they have uh, motors on the boat, or were y'all having to use an oil? I don't think so. No, I don't. It was a sailboat, so I don't know. In 1968, Roy Jacuzzi created the world's first integrated whirlpool bath called the Roman, featuring integrated jets with a 50-50 air-to-water ratio. Roy Jacuzzi. We have a, uh, <laughs> a tub. We have a tub, uh, which you could say could be a jacuzzi because they have. N- I've never used it. At you our have house. jets in your ba- in your bathtub. Never, never used it. Never used I've it. Never used it. I'm shocked. That is shocking. And we're learning something new about Lee every day. I figured Lee took a bubble bath every night. Yep. Just to relax, put on a little music, and by maybe night, some I candlelight, mean 4 p.m. glass of wine, right after. Yeah. yeah. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in our number three. A little update for you here on the grand prize giveaway. The WNSP Fall Football Preview Party, scheduled for August 17th at Heroes on Old Shell out there in Westmobile. You need to get there for a number of reasons. Here are the two big ones. As I've mentioned, thanks to Barrow uh, Fine Furniture, up for grabs, a recliner valued at $1,800. That includes the 360-degree swivel, the adjustable hand-free recline, and the memory foam seating. We've added to the treasure trove. Uh, it has just been confirmed, Mr. Shervanian, uh, that thanks to you and the fine folks at Bailey's TV and Mattress, a 65-inch 4K will also be up for grabs as well. So not that you don't already have enough reason to come hang with us for the fall football preview party. There are two very big ones to come hang So with. now when you swivel, you'll have something to watch as you swivel around the chair, right? 65-inch uh, TV. It's a smart TV. Right. Which doesn't help me, but it is a smart TV. Right. So details on, I'm not sure. We'll work out the details there. We want to spread the wealth a little bit. But, uh, yeah, come on out and see us August 17th. It's going to be a lot of fun. Indeed it will. All right, let's uh, – hey, good friend of mine, Tim Haggerty, the former voice of the Mobile Bay Bears. Goes back a few years, but, yeah, he's still involved in play-by-play uh, with the Padres organization, AAA Portland, now based in El Paso, Texas. And Tim has come out with a book which seems like it's very entertaining to read. Tim, good morning. How are you today? Greatly. Good to hear your voice again. Hey, it's great to hear your voice again. So the name of the book is Tales from the Dugout. So I'm assuming this is kind of like some of the, the uh, let's say, um, not exactly, you know, home runs, RBIs, but more based on some stories uh, during your many, many years in broadcasting. Yeah, that's right. It has 1,001 minor league stories, uh, some of which are for games that I called, but many of which are from research that I've done. So it's present day, but also goes back to the 1800s. Uh, has illustrations in it, 1,001 quick stories. Well, we can't get into all 1,001 today, but I'm going to ask you a few that have to do with the Mobile Bay Bears, maybe some of the people can relate to. Who was the Bay Bear player in the book that you have who was banned from Disney World and why? Yes, uh, 2002, 
the Mobile Bay Bears were playing the Orlando Rays, and Orlando's ballpark was within Disney World property. And one day there was this mascot on the field doing some sort of skit between innings, and a Mobile outfielder, Alex Fernandez, jokingly pushed the mascot down. Well, this mascot, the person inside the costume, got upset, said there was a minor injury. It became a big thing in the Disney security world. And the Mobile Bay Bears player actually received on Disney letterhead uh, this document informing him he was banned from all Disney properties worldwide. 25 years later, I don't know if, if they're going to enforce that, you know, if, if this guy tried to go to Disney World again, but uh, he was banned from Disney World. Tim Haggerty has a book out. And, and Tim, tell our listeners how they can uh, get a copy of this book. Yeah, again, it's Tales from the Dugout, 1001 Humorous, Inspirational, and Wild Anecdotes from Minor League Baseball. It's available on a discount on Amazon right now. Uh, it's available wherever books are sold. One of the uh, stories in there is about Mobile fans throwing books at an umpire. Bring me up to date on that. Yeah, in the 1930s, there was this entertaining Southern Association umpire named Steamboat Johnson. Uh, he would travel with an optometrist certificate to show fans who were heckling him to prove that his eyesight was okay. He was this really animated character, and he actually wrote a book. And he would go in the mornings and set up before day games. Of course, it was mostly day games back then. And he'd sell his book, and then he'd go and he'd umpire the game. Well, one day in Mobile, he made a bad call. And all of a sudden, dozens of books came cascading down from the stands. They threw his own book at him because they were mad at him. But the steamboat said he picked up the books and sold them the next day in Memphis. About that? You made a profit off of them? That's right. <laughs> wow. Um, I was once, while calling South Alabama baseball, Coach Eddie Stanky, the late Eddie Stanky, I, I can't confirm it, but I'm, I think he's the one that locked me in the uh, – dugout bathroom but you have a story in there that a pitcher was locked in the dugout bathroom with mobile what happened there yeah this was one of the games that i was broadcasting 2007 we were in montgomery and the bay bears had this pitcher matt elliott he allowed a game tying home run in the bottom of the eighth inning got so upset after that half inning that he went into the dugout bathroom and slammed the door and it busted the lock and he locked himself in the bathroom but he was still the pitcher so Mobile had to bring in a new pitcher. They took the field without a pitcher that next half inning. I was uh, completely confused on why there was a delay here. The guy was locked in the bathroom, and he was stuck in there until 45 minutes after the game ended. Montgomery's fire department had to come take the door down and let him out. Um, and this poor guy, Matt Elliott, he got all sorts of national attention. Sports Illustrated was calling at the Bay Bears office, uh, asking to interview him. <laughs> it was a wild time. Tim, do any of the stories in there revolve around you or something that happened in the press box, maybe an animal getting loose like we've had happen a couple of times uh, during the year, especially when you go out to broadcast in Oakland? Any of these are related right to you? Um, well, w when you mentioned animals in the game that I was calling in 2015 here in El Paso with the Padres Triple team, we had a between-innings wiener dog race. And four out of the five dogs ran where they were supposed to next to the dugout. One of them went rogue and began scampering all around the field. So we were had a minor delay when a wiener dog was loose on the field. And I just saw this video for the first time in a couple of years the other day. And one of the visiting Oklahoma City players that the dog runs by is Corey Seager, now a star with the Texas Rangers. Uh, and in the book, we have a great illustration of it. That's what we wanted to do is have a lot of illustrations for these crazy baseball stories. Tim Haggerty, the longtime play-by-play uh, -play voice for the uh, 
San Diego Padres AAA teams. Tim, we, we scheduled guests. I had no knowledge that I was going to ask you about Kevin Brown. I mean, this is a hot topic today. I think you're very you're familiar with the story about the yeah. Oriole announcer. Yeah. Um, all right, to preface what has happened, uh, he apparently, and correct me if I'm wrong because I don't have all the details, he's been in, suspended indefinitely by Oriole management for comments that they feel were detrimental, yet he was complimenting the team and pointing out how well they were doing a Tropicana field in Tampa, which has helped them get to first place. As a play-by-play announcer, first of all, your reaction to something like this? Yeah, I've read the articles as well, and if that is the reason that they put the announcer on the sidelines, I think it's um, embarrassing to the organization. It's one of those things, you know, on your show, you guys will discuss sports topics, and people weigh in, and they give different sides of it. I can't even see the other side of this. It's just uh, the articles I read say that he was giving a, a stand-up talking about, as you said, Lee, that the Orioles have won more games against Tampa Bay this year than they have in the previous two years combined. Apparently there was a Chiron, a graphic underneath it, that said tropical disaster, a pun with Tropicana Field. Um, the announcer is not selecting the headlines for the Chiron. But, yeah, if, if he's saying the Orioles have played better against this great Tampa Bay team this year compared to past years, that's a positive thing. It's showing what everyone has noticed, that the Orioles are much better this year than they have been. Um, I mean, I saw many announcers, Gary Cohen, who I know you came across, just lambasting the, the Orioles on the air about this. I mean, many broadcast teams say things much more critical than this. And as you said, this wasn't even critical to begin with. So, in my opinion, it makes the Orioles' ownership look bad. And not only that, but why – I mean, since I don't get the Oriole games, and I'm not, I was not familiar with Kevin Brown until yesterday, this happened July 23rd, and, and here we are, what, two weeks later? And now it becomes a story. And, and I don't know, is he even back announcing now or what? Do you know? The article I read said he will be back soon and that the reason it came up now – is that fans have been wondering, where is Kevin? What's going on? Is he okay? And then a reporter had a source that said, here's why he's been out. Um, so that's my understanding to why it's coming out now. But, yeah, to, for the Orioles to uh, – they're saying, quote, it's not a suspension, but if you're told not to come to work, that sounds like a suspension. Sounds um, like it, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – you know, and then I, I do feel for the announcer who now must come back after making a, a very benign comment – and probably have to answer questions about this or at least dodge questions about this. And now you're broadcasting the game wondering, well, uh, am I going to get suspended again if I say something like this or something like that? You know, you know, Lee, you've called many games. You don't want that in your head when you're trying to broadcast the game. Well, well how far can I go when it comes to making this comment? Tim, have you ever been called to the office or asked about why you said something, either in Mobile or Portland or El Paso? No, I mean – um, occasionally a player might say, oh, my, my wife said this or my girlfriend said you said this, and you have a very civil conversation about it. Um, I, I mean, I've actually, the Orioles broadcaster here wasn't even criticizing the Orioles, and I've heard of many play-by-play announcers who can do that respectfully. You know, to me tonight in El Paso, if, if El Paso makes five errors, I'm going to say something like, well, El Paso was a strong defensive team, but tonight they didn't show that. I mean, there's positive ways you can say even bad things and would not be suspended for that. So, I mean, you think you guys watch a lot of games. Think about 
the things that some really passionate hometown announcers say about their own teams. They say 10 times worse than this and don't get suspended. So, um, yeah, I can't even see the other side of this Orioles situation. I gave an example. I was uh, listening, watching the Braves last night. Now, I, I heard the Braves broadcast. I didn't hear the Pirates. So the Braves got beat by Pittsburgh last night, ending an eight-game winning streak over Pirates. I'm assuming the Pirate announcers mentioned that during the broadcast, that we've lost eight in a row to the Braves, but we win. You know, something like that. You know, we, we snapped an eight-game. Uh, is that to be construed as negative? I wouldn't think so. No, not at all. I mean, the Orioles might be one of the best stories in baseball this year. I think a lot of people did not pick them to finish in first place in the great American League East, but they are. And as you're describing, the announcer saying, well, the Orioles the past couple of years did not play well against Tampa Bay, but this year they're playing so well that they did. So, um, yeah, I think Kevin Brown had to just be blindsided. You know, sometimes you might drive home after a game and think, well, I, the way I phrased that – uh, somebody might be bothered by that. Um, I remember a couple of years ago talking about an El Paso player on the bench and basically, uh, you know, saying other people were ahead of him on the depth chart when it came to starting games. And I thought, eh, did I go a little bit? Did I phrase that perfectly? I got to think in this Kevin Brown situation, he wasn't thinking anything about it. I, he must have just been stunned that Orioles' ownership was bothered by it. Not only that, but it's not all on him. You have graphics, right? He's not in charge of graphics. You have a producer. Don't they also, shouldn't they be included in this? Uh, because so, I, I assume on TV that you have a producer and that earpiece, is, and they're telling you this is what we're going to do now, so talk about it. Yes, there's an article in The Athletic that says that exact fact was listed in the Orioles' game notes, which are produced by the public relations department. And a team's public relations department, that's their job, is to present things positively. And this is in the team's game notes. So, yeah, I mean, there's many other people that probably looked at this as a harmless fact to give on the broadcast. And by the way, if I'm an Orioles fan, I want an announcer that's telling me what's going on, that, you know, is informing me how the team played in the past and the present. Tim, I know we've uh, gotten off the uh, subject of your book. I'll be back in touch with you down the road. You know, we'll get into September, and obviously the Padres trying to make the, uh, you know, the playoffs. And how's El Paso? Pretty good ball club? Um, well, it's kind of interesting we're talking about this. In the past, they were better than they are this year. There we go. I said it. You can send that to my boss. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, El Paso's had 10 seasons and had eight winning seasons. This year, the team is under 500, but – yeah, trying to finish strong, uh, but at this point, not looking like a playoff team in AAA. All right, I'm going to let you go, but one more time, the name of the book and how our listeners can get a hold of it. Yeah, it's Tales from the Dugout, 1001 Humorous, Inspirational, and Wild Anecdotes from Minor League Baseball. It has a bunch of illustrations in it, uh, good for fans of all ages, and it's available on Amazon right now. Appreciate it very much, Tim. Good luck with your game tonight, and I'll talk to you down the road. Thanks for getting in touch with us. Well, thank you, Lee. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, when we come back, we're going to give you a chance at some Chick-fil-A. Uh, I know you guys uh, need your uh, shot of fried deliciousness uh, today. Now, if this guy for the Baltimore Orioles is being reprimanded and suspended for what he said, how bad could it have gotten here at WNSP? 
for some of the things we've said. You thinking Nick would have been suspended or just out and out fired? Yeah, um, no, I don't think so. It's a it's a different you know ownership, obviously, and no, I don't think he would have been. Now, if he worked where I did in New Jersey, he'd be long gone. And with that Montgomery brawl, what's the craziest brawl you've ever been in? We want to hear from you next. Stay with us. <laughs> Jim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right, 824. I heard birds chirping, so Suddenly, everything is right with the world now. It's up to I you, Lee. Don't let us down. Can't uh, eat there seven times a day on Sunday because they're closed. So at least six days a week. It's clever. Mookie Betts hit a grand slam home run for the Dodgers in their win over San Diego yesterday. It is the 11th Grand Slam home run hit by a Dodger this year. The all-time record for most Grand Slam home runs in one season is 14. Two major league teams hold that record. They're both in the American League. Give Nick a call and tell him which two teams they are that have the record for most Grand Slam home runs as a team in one season. All right, you know the answer, 694-1055. We're asking you guys, what was the, what, what's gotten you suspended from work? What's gotten you fired from work? What is the most innocent thing that ever got you fined, suspended, right? Because Kevin Brown did nothing wrong. Um, we've talked all about it all day and then what's been like the bit worst brawl or fight you've ever been in as we uh, as we talk about this whole Montgomery thing you've never been in a fight never been in a fight except with my brother so that doesn't count over who was getting in the hot tub first right uh this uh, a lot more reasons than the hot tub okay fair enough so we're, we're throwing out a couple things there we need we need some feedback from you guys on how I mean, these are two very sensational stories that are just dominating headlines. Um, I know with the brawl, there was a chair involved. The hat got thrown up. There's all sorts of memes. And were you ever in a fight? Uh, with your uh, mouth? With my mouth? Yeah, no. mouthy. Nope. Never. People, people love me, Lee. Really? Yes. Can you confirm that? Uh, can anybody confirm, you can't confirm that out there? You can't confirm the other isn't true or is true. You've never been in a fight before. No confrontation. I get along with everybody. College, never. Ooh. Yeah. Let's let's go back mm. there. Ever have a roommate get upset with you? Never. One time I was uh, at this like overnight church thing when I was in sixth grade. All good fight stories start with this time when I was at church. And we're all playing hide and seek. And then after everyone got found, there was some disagreement on who was it and what the rules were. And I felt like this one kid that was a year older than me was really barking out commands to everyone. 
So I just stepped up. I was like, I'm going to need you to change your tone. <laughs> and he, like, he doubled down. So I just pimp smacked the <laughs> hell out of this kid. I don't know where it came from. I've never done this before. And like everyone went dead silent. And he just looked at me teary-eyed in shock. And then we didn't play hide-and-seek anymore. Yeah. I don't know what uh, what um, possessed me in that moment. It's that whole when you get to when you get to prison, you find the biggest, baddest guy in the whole place, and you just you just take him down. Yeah, but we just went back to the gym and started playing basketball again anyway, which I preferred. Yeah. Oh, everybody wins in that scenario except yeah. the guy that got pimp slapped. Was this guy your size, or somebody was a lot smaller that you knew you could take? No, we were about the same size. Okay. For the purpose but of I this slap, story, though, he I should be the hell out that guy. He should be twice the size. My hand is still uh, red from it, I think. Do you, do we, do you have his name? We should call. You should apologize on air. <laughs> no, Yo, bro, remember that time we were playing hide and seek in that church? <laughs> My bad. <laughs> All right, Jake Crane is next. I bet he's got some good fight stories for us. Only one way to find out. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. There should, if, if you're truly walking in what you love to do and what you're gifted to do, there should be some joy and, and fun in that. Part of being the Auburn experience and being an Auburn man and, and is the fact that I think this place has done a nice job and I want to continue it of young men that have gone through our program that 10 to 15 to 20 years still have this, this affection for this place because of the experience. All right, it's 8.32 here on a Tuesday. Thanks for uh, hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff, Mark and Lee. Uh, we're in the studios at WNSP. Let's talk uh, Jake Crane, the Jake Crane podcast, gaining worldwide acceptance up there in Nashville. And Jake did such a great job hosting the SEC Media Days. Jake, good morning. How are you today? Uh, gentlemen, one day closer to kickoff. Uh, really excited about getting it. You know, the season really, you know, never goes away. But excited about finally getting close to kickoff. And the Johnny Manziel documentary drops today. I'm yes. watching that one too. What time? Uh, I think is it's it, this evening, right? Is it, noon? Is, it is, is it noon or this evening? I can't remember exactly what time. Uh, but I'm going to be watching it when it comes out. I is, is it Netflix? That. Is it Netflix? Or no, something else? No, it's uh, God, I, I believe it's it's untold. So they're doing the Johnny Manziel one. They're doing Swamp Kings, uh, talking about the Florida team uh, under Urban Meyer, and I think there's one more. I, I think they drop them in threes. But I mean, I don't care if they're they're showing it on a drive-in movie theater. I'll be there. They actually have some of those around. <laughs> I don't I don't know, Lee. That that's more your time, right? It was my time, but I didn't know they still existed. Uh, they might. If not, I need to start one. You want to go have these in it with me? Oh, why not? Sure, we got so much Let's money here. Yeah, we got so much money to unload. Jake, before we get to sports-related topics, I know Lee wants to get to you. weren't You and your friends, by chance, weren't on the pier in Montgomery recently, were you? No, we weren't. But goodness gracious, man, what's going down in the gump? 
<laughs> we just do it differently in this state. You know that. I mean, get the one guy got in the water to swim over there to join the fight. I mean, look, I mean, I've, I've watched the video probably 30 times, but goodness gracious, man. So your uh, your broadcasting team has never been involved in a, a brawl like that before? Uh, no, only time we ever got involved in a brawl like that was when we went out to uh, San Diego and got in a, got in a uh, all-out brawl with a couple of the news teams out there. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> St- stay classy, Jake. Very good, Jake. Jake, I, I mentioned this yesterday. Uh, we were having problems coming up with conference names. Obviously, if the Big Ten goes to 18, it doesn't sound reasonable to call them the Big Ten. If the uh, Big 12, uh, they when they get to 16 or whatever, it doesn't make sense to call them the Big So we were looking for names that would not include a number. Or geography. Right. What, yeah. what could we look at? Let's say for the, the so-called Big Ten, what would be a good name for that conference? Well, I think they may just go with, with Big I think they may just call it the Big Conference, which means the SEC would have to be known as the Biggest Conference. I think that's what you're going to have to go with. Like we were talking about that on the show today. I mean, at what point do you just have to like start reverting? It's like coverages in football. Do you just start calling the conference like colors? Like you know, this is the Red Conference. This is the Blue Conference. Uh, if you can't use geography and you can't use numbers, then you've got to either use just single words. You know that that talk about size, like the the the. You don't want to say the mid conference because that is a different connotation. But I think you may get the big <laughs> conference, which, like I said, means that the SEC has to be the biggest. Uh, and then I don't know what you're going to call the mergers of the other ones. But guys, I, I let off the show with this. In all actuality, like the whole point of conferences is for regionality. I mean, you literally have the location in the name. We're talking about Stanford and Cal on the West Coast and Palo Alto and Berkeley going to the Atlantic Coast Conference. So then what do you call that? That you can keep it the ACC, just call it the All Coast Conference, just the the conference with everybody that's on the coast. That's one way to do it, I guess. But to me, at what point, if we're moving to these two super conferences, right, where you've got 50 teams in one conference and 50 teams in the other conference, why not just have everybody go independent? It's basically the same thing. Like we talked about on the show this morning, if you took Army's independent football, their Conference USA and everything else, which I think may be a way that we're going in in all the sport, to be honest with you. But if you took the amount of miles traveled for Army as an independent or take any independent right now, and then you fast forward to when we have two super conferences with 50 teams uh, each in the conference, you're probably going to travel somewhere around the same amount, right? We still have the same ranking system that looks at the same thing, strength of schedule, things like that. You know, who you beat and when you beat them. Where are you on the road? Where are you not on the road? Why not just separate college football from the other sports? The other sports can stay in the conferences and just everybody go independent. But do you get a cut of any media or TV deals if that, you're not? That's the thing that's why they can't do it now i don't just blame i think people that only blame the media and these media deals i think that's too narrow focus what i think what what we and listen we live in the real world guys it's about money right i mean mean, everything ends up being about money these media rights deals it's the easiest way to funnel the money from one entity to another and now that the ncaa is going to be out of college football here soon the the middleman's out and the collective is now taking over as the new middleman but 
outside. And that's why Notre Dame is so interesting because, you know, they're the only one out there that's a single team with a media deal. So they're obviously the prettiest girl at the dance. If you're a conference that's trying to save itself, you know, if you're the ACC looking down the road or something like that. But if we didn't have to worry about the media rights deals, everybody would just go into independent and it would be fine. But since we have to worry about the media deals, now geography doesn't matter, which is the whole point of having conferences because teams go up and down, right? Some teams are good. Look at where Alabama was, you know, at the, at the turn of the millennium to where they're at now. Teams go up and down. It's cyclical. That's why everybody would be running the triple option in 30 years. That'll be the sexiest thing ever. Uh, but, but. When you start taking the regionality out of conferences, you, you lose the ability to amplify some of these periphery games. Like, look, Oregon versus Ohio State, that's going to be a big game, regardless of where it is. But when you have these smaller games, right, the Washington State versus Washington's and the Apple Cup, things like that, you start to lose some of the intensity, and I think that's where people are having the biggest problem. There was a suggestion that Dan Wenzel, who we had on our show last week, on Yahoo this morning suggests that just do it for football. It's ridiculous to have softball yeah. teams. It's ridiculous to have cross-country teams going coast-to-coast coast and, you know, the money that's incurred there. And, of course, you know, performing in front of your family and so forth. Just go football. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, and you look at the budgetary situation, it, it obviously – you know, yields more for football. That's one of the only revenue-generating sports with college basketball being second. I think that's the best way to go about it. And at what point, too, we actually – we're going to go through a relegation model on Friday, which I think now that everything's changing, I mean, why the heck not? Why wouldn't you just add a relegation model to it as well since we're changing everything? But taking football and separating it – because the NCAA is going away in college football, fellas. Y'all know that. I know that. So why not just separate college football from the rest of the sports, let the, re- the other sports stay in those conferences, right? We already do it in some sports. Look at Notre Dame, right? I mean, they're an ACC in basketball. They're independent in football. We have that in different places around the country. So, look, I'm 100% for that. And then we could relegate the conference names every year. So the best conference at the end of the previous year can be the biggest for another year. Whatever floats your boat, whatever, whatever. <laughs> at this point, it doesn't even matter. Call it whatever. Call it the Snuffleupagus. Call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. All that matters is that TV deal. Jake Crane joins us, former coach, now broadcaster. So when you were coaching on the sideline during practice, and I've seen that a, a few programs have had a little fisticuffs on the sideline. Did you ever, uh, yeah. you ever have, be a part of that or referee one of those or see where players were going after each other and fighting during practice? Oh, yeah. Look, if you don't have at least a couple fights during fall camp, your team's not ready, especially once you start putting the pads on now. Just like anything, it depends on who's – most of the time the older guys aren't going to fight because they don't want to wear themselves out. And they, don't, they don't have to prove as much as the younger guys. Typically, somebody's going to hit somebody when they're not supposed to hit them or somebody's jawing and then gets mad. But once those pads come on, you're going to have some scuffles. But I tell you what, as a young coach, you go in there and try and break it up. As an older coach, you let the young coaches go in there and try and break it up. I remember, I remember one time at South Alabama, uh, my good buddy Jay Mitch, uh, you remember J- uh, Jerry and Mitchell, uh, Jaron Mitchell, who was you know an absolute headhunter in the, in the back end, there's a big-time fight between the DBs and the wide receivers. And me, I'm a young coach running in there trying to break it up. Hey, hey, hey. And about got smacked in the face with a helmet. You tell the guys, listen, don't, don't take your helmet off and swing it. 
don't punch somebody in the helmet. The amount of players <laughs> that want to punch somebody with a helmet on is just the most – I'm like, that's the most inefficient way to do it. Like, listen, let's, let, let's, let's baseball fight. Everybody grab jerseys, talk, you know, whatever, whatever. But, yeah, you need a couple to feel good about it. What was your reaction to the uh, play-by-play, uh, Kevin Brown being sacked for a oh while by the Orioles? Can oh. you believe that? I, look, I, I've seen a lot. I mean, if that's the case, if you can't even just state normal facts, and this wasn't even a controversial fact. He's not talking about, you know, political things or stuff that, you know, people get irate about. He's talking about the Rays have owned the Orioles. But you know what? This is why the Orioles can't have nice things. You're three games up in the division. Nobody thought you'd be here, and you're going to cause a distraction. And Kevin Brown does a heck of a job. All he did was point out that the Rays have owned the Orioles. What's he supposed to just make stuff up or just, just not talk about it? Like, like I, It is the softest thing I've ever seen in broadcasting I've ever seen in my life I mean what did he say to me I don't know how you're not able to just sue the organization because I feel like you win yeah but here's the problem so when he comes back is it in your head now where you have to be careful and and start scrutinizing everything you say which takes away from your ad-libbing no I'm out I'm out if it's me Kevin Brown's good enough and this is so ridiculous I'm trying to see if the Rays will hire me So uh, tell Mark uh, what's on the agenda today. You're leaving town? Yeah, man. We uh, we just finished the show. It was a heck of a show. We talked about the uh, the coaches poll that just came out, not that preseason polls matter. I'm just wondering why everybody's treating USC like they're going to be some dominant team. I guess these are the same people that think that Joe Milton's arm just got strong at Tennessee. <laughs> like, that's why they're going to be good. Because I guess Joe Milton just lifted a bunch of weights during the offseason. It wasn't like his arm's been strong for the last two years. That's not his problem. Uh, so we broke that down, talked about everything in sports. We got Jeff Collins, former uh, Mississippi State D.C., Florida, D.C., head coach at Georgia Tech and Temple on tomorrow. But today, uh, here in a minute, we're about to go hop on a plane, going to fly out to Las Vegas. We got to hang out with Dana White this past weekend at the UFC in Nashville, and he invited us out to this power slap thing that UFC is doing. So we're going to fly out to Vegas and uh, go watch some grown men slap each other. How about that? Yeah, well, how did you get the invite? I mean, what, what – Where's the look, I mean, connection? It's, it's uh, you got to know the handshake. But uh, no, look, Dana. You know, we got to meet him. He's really cool, down to earth guy. Man, invited us out there, and it's uh, it's an invite only event. So we're excited. We're gonna go cover it and uh, enjoy it, man. It's gonna be a good time. And, re- and don't forget to reenact it now when you get back. Uh, well, we're gonna play a little blackjack, I think, with Dana White and uh, the loser. I think it's going to be him and Cone, and, and whoever uh, wins the hand gets to pick uh, who gets slapped between me and Blaine. So, yeah, I can't wait for that. All right. All expenses paid? Maybe. Any? Any expenses That's paid? That's a yes. Huh? No, com- no comment. No comment. We're just, look, we're going out there. We're, we're going to grind out there. Um, you know, go play hard and, uh, and uh, you know, make some relationships that will last a lifetime. Dude's so coach speaking. I love it. All right. Uh, yeah, before... you know, listen, I was in the coaching world for a while. I can give you some coach speak. Okay. Uh, predictions. Quarterback, Auburn. Who wins the job? Peyton, Peyton Thorne. Biggest question for Auburn is does he run well enough for that RPO system to work? I think Peyton Thorne's going to win it at, uh, at uh, Auburn. How about Alabama? Man, I want – I typically go with my gut, and my gut's telling me it's Tyler Buckner. Hey, uh, before we let you go off to, uh, you know, that place you can't uh, you can't speak about. 
What uh, we have uh, somebody in our and listening in our app at WNSP.com is a photographer. Wanted to know what high school number you wore because she believes she shot you while you were in high school. I was well. I wore I wore a couple uh, depending on what position I was playing. I played some fullback, and then in our offense, I mean. My head coach was Spence McCracken. I mean, he's been coaching football since like 1830. So we had an old school style of offense. So I wore number 29 and I wore number 76. <laughs> yeah. What? Seven, 29 and 76? Yeah, depending on if I was going to be elig- an eligible number or not. Yep. Yeah. And by the way, what's a fullback? I haven't heard that term in years. Yeah, I believe, uh, you know, that, that went the way of the dinosaur. By the, by the way. This is something we talked about the other day on the show. How do we know what dinosaurs sounded like? Have you all ever thought of that? Like, you hear all these movies, and they make all the dinosaurs sound. How do we know what they sounded like? Nobody heard them. Nobody knows. Is this a big issue up in Nashville? I mean, look, right now it is. I've been trying to figure it out. I mean, it's the same way, like, when they show those, uh, you know, when saw Oppenheimer, they show those A-bomb tests. How's the camera right there? <laughs> Good movie, worth it. Man, if you got three hours, yeah, I thought it could have been an hour shorter. Um, but listen, Killian Murphy, man, he's he's such a great actor. I, they, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is great in it. Uh, if you got three hours, yeah, go see it. It's really good. Uh, safe travels, my friend. We'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, man. I do want to tell everybody we're almost to 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. So if you get a chance today, uh, go to Crane and Company, C-R-A-I-N and Company on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. We're ready to throw that party. Appreciate it, guys. All right. Don't get slapped. Oh, no, I won't. Please. Please tone win. Yeah. Okay. Although it'd be. Uh, y'all be good. Yep. Later. Although it'd be a lot more fun if he did. All right, one final segment of the day. You guys can jump in, uh, 694-1055. You can hit us up in the app, WNSP.com. We'll set the table for the rest of the day, give you a sneak peek into tomorrow. You know, if you have uh, three free hours, you could go see Oppenheimer, or you could watch the new Ninja Turtles movie twice. (laughs) How long's the uh, Johnny Manziel thing supposed to be on Netflix? I think I'd rather watch that. Is it that. a series or a movie? No, I think it's a one thing. They, I think Netflix did a series of documentaries. Oh, Untold? And, yeah, and they're, this is the third. I think they did... Um, Malice at the Palace? They're, I think that's the fourth one. I think they, they just... That. Oh, did they? I watched it. Oh, well, I guess you you would know then. Yeah. They did the Florida Gator one yet? Maybe that's the fourth one. The that Urban Meyer? on the way. Okay. That's one Paul teased like last year that he got filmed, uh, that he got interviewed for. Oh, it's going to be awesome. The Manziel one's going to be great. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. segment of the day thanks for hanging with us it's the opening kickoff you know mark i'm just i guess maybe i don't even know if i'd say old school but we mentioned about bailey's and brian thank you so much they're they're gonna uh donate a 65 inch uh 4k smart tv whatever that means i'm just not knowledgeable (laughs) enough about this and what, it's what worth the dinosaurs sound like? Isn't that what Jake asked? Yeah, pretty much. So, like, I've had discussions in the last couple of weeks now, and 
you know, when we have relatives come to the house, like they're always asking, well, how big is your TV set? I said, what difference does it make? I mean, 43 inches, I can still see it. You know, I don't need this surround screen or something like that. <laughs> I, I've had people coming over and saying, your TV's not big enough. What do you mean not big okay, enough? Okay, first of all, that's rude. It is. Oh, no, it is very rude. Don't be going into a man's house and telling me my the TV's size not of, big his, enough. of his We need a screen. bigger TV. Like, who keeps track of that? I don't keep a measuring stick out there to say, to me, you know, 33, 43, it's fine. I can still see it. Oh, what? The, I've never, I just can't. I, I mean, don't, do you ever watch stuff on your phone? Uh, like, if I need to, sure. Yeah. Well, that's not 43 inches or 65 or whatever. It's still good enough, right? I'm liking the idea of surround screen. Yeah, surround you screen. You like that? It's cool. Like at-home IMAX yeah. theater. Yeah. I actually, I was at a house, oh, I'd say about a year ago we were looking at. They actually had the screen went from one end of the room to the other. It's about as close as you could come to in a house surround screen. Did you like it? It doesn't matter to me. I, I don't need a big screen. Okay, I don't did care. you did you not like it? It's not that I didn't like it or like it. I didn't care. How's that? It's a non-answer. Well, it's a, my it answer. Didn't evoke any feeling in you. No, at all. <laughs> it didn't do anything. I got no rush of adrenaline. I didn't go like, oh, this is great. You know, I didn't. No, I didn't. I I just you didn't I, say, I, oh wow, that's big. Yeah, yeah it didn't but fill I'm, you with anything. There's no. You're just completely emotionally detached. Absolutely, from the whole topic. that's the best thing you've said today. Well, at least you had an opinion on it. True, yeah. I had no opinion on it. So at least you got a bigger reaction out of my statement just now than the fact that this guy had a TV screen that that as it you went put from it, wall to wall. I mean, it's like, and it was kind of like uh, which. It, it was an Alabama room with all Ar Alabama memorabilia, but the screen took up like the whole wall. It was inc it was incredible, but not something that I care about. You don't need that much memorabilia. I then. don't. You just say it was incredible. Yeah, incredibly big. <laughs> Pause. Hey, speaking of big, what a name for a conference, the big. Good segue. Yeah. And then, um, so we'll talk about that. <laughs> All right. If I, not that I, I'm, since I don't care, I'm not going to ask it. So forget it. I was going to ask you, how big is your TV screen? Like, hey, that's know? a personal question. I know. Lee. How about you, Nick? You, you'd answer something like that, I'm Mark. Ashamed. How much? It's uh fifty. Okay. And you don't need a hundred or whatever. I mean, I'm actually thinking I'm about to be moving. I'm I'm thinking about investing in this. Uh, projector and then I can make my screen up to 200 inches and it would still be uh, in 4k and then if I wanted to I could put it in the backyard big old sheet outdoor movie theater you know Nick perfect would, weather for it Nick we've gotten <laughs> the entire show and I had one issue I wanted to get to you with and we'll run out of time but in the uh, Nick Wiggins category of guarantees, did you see Scoot Henderson's guarantee? I did. Scoot Henderson, the third overall pick, Mark, has guaranteed he's going to win Rookie of the Year in the NBA this coming year. That's tough, Scoot. <laughs> That's going to be near impossible. You know, uh, Prime just uh, did something on... G was it G League and he's like the one of the featured guys? Yeah, Bill Simmons crew. They put that together. Did that come out yet? I think it came out yesterday. Oh, I'll have to watch that. Yeah. 
on your on your mammoth TV screen that Lee feel has is indifferent well, to. Well, I will watch on my forty three inch. You mentioned the Manzel, and that's Netflix, correct? Did that I is understand it? it is Netflix. Yeah. Right. You used to be Mr. TV Guide. Now now I've got to be telling you. Yeah. You know who's writing for which publication? That's right. Which which streaming service you got to jump on? There's so many now. Anybody got Paramount Plus? I don't. I don't. Peacock? Nope. Mm-mm. Those are the big networks trying to get into that streaming, and it doesn't seem like anyone has I it. do have as you, as Max. We were talking about the worst rebrands in history. I don't have Apple either. I wouldn't be able to watch the Pac-12. Oh, wait a minute. There's not going to be a Pac-12. Don't ridicule. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Don't don't hit a man when he's down. You're no better than the guys in the, on the Montgomery uh, That's dock right. over there. The just hit a man when he's down. the price for Apple. Change it from Pack to Mac. Everyone's happy. Hmm. The only Apple I know is the kind you eat and cut them up every night. Red or green? Red. Hmm. You remember that orchard I told you we went to Gala. up at uh, Canton, that apple orchard? Mm-hmm. I was surprised. All the apples were green. There were no red apples up there. I have to take a spray can. You share the most bizarre uh, I try. bits of information. Well, you had one about my brother being in the hot tub in Bermuda. You kind of stonewalled me on that one. I stonewalled you? Yeah. Was that, I mean, what does that mean? I don't know. That's, that's just sounded like a word I wanted to throw out. Stonewalled. I stonewalled Surprised you. Surprised me. Delay or block yes. by refusing to answer questions or by giving evasive replies. You're the stonewaller, Lee. <laughs> okay. Party, August 17th. Be there or be square. There Lee can go. be both. That's right. See ya.